Welcome listeners to the Less for Life podcast. This is your host, Tennessee Reed. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I hope you had a great week full of uh, great improvement and endeavors. I can't wait to hear about it on social media. Again, we're so happy to have you. Today is a very exciting episode. We have a really exciting guest, a really cool person, and somebody who's really, really, really good at mountain biking. This is Christopher Blevins. He competed in the mountain bike race of the Tokyo Olympics, the last Olympics, and he's also the cross-country world champion in mountain biking. You guys, he's like legit. He's so freaking cool. We're so excited to have him. Chris, would you like to introduce yourself to the audience? Sure. Well, thanks for the intro. Um, really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, I've been on a lot of podcasts talking about, you know, bikes and bikes specifically and in the weeds of all the details. So it's fun to talk to um, someone my age who's, you know, really interested in um, people in all endeavors. And I love the title of your podcast and I love the theme of, you know, talking about our journeys as, um, as young people. And, um, yeah, so it's fun for me to be on this kind of podcast and and not the, maybe you'll ask me the nerdy questions about the bike, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can't make yeah. any promises. Cause I also love mountain biking. Just Great. Right. we will, we won't ask you those questions today. <laughs> well, Chris, thank you again for being here. It's really, really an honor to have you. You're an awesome person. You have such a bright spotlight and you do so well with it. So keep up the great work. And like you said, our podcast is a little different than a lot of other hobby podcasts. Um, Our podcast really likes to capitalize on emotional intelligence, resilience, and building those strategies to building a lust for life and a beautiful life. Because that's truly what we're all here for is to have a beautiful life that we can all reflect back on and be proud of. And Clearly, you've done well with that, and you have made yourself, you know, the top mountain biker in the whole world. It can't have been easy to get there, and there had to have been so much resilience and learning that went into that, and would you mind sharing kind of your story a little bit and how you became resilient and worked your tail off to get where you are? Yeah. Well, um, you know, I, I started, I've been a bike racer my entire life since I was five years old. Um, and when I was like six, I was extremely serious for, you know, and I was in kindergarten, but traveling around the country, um, going to BMX races, um, just BMX is like this circus of little kids racing their bikes. My dad literally would place me in the starting gate and catch me at the finish line. Um, so, you know, I've grown up through bike racing, not just with it, but like, it's been kind of the, the one constant in my life. Um, and yeah, so, you know, it, I think it's brought me every kind of emotion showed me, you know, you know, I've had so many, uh, so many happy light moments on the bikes and, and, and plenty of like really, you know, dark, difficult moments. Um, so yeah, you know, I see resilience as resiliency is um first and foremost has to be kind of tethered to loving what you do. And uh, you know, the bike is the love I have for it. Sometimes you hate it when you're 
you know, in the middle of a, of a hard workout or a difficult period in the season, but, um, I've stuck with it and it's become kind of inseparable from my growth. Um, so, you know, I could talk about all the hard work, which is never something to neglect because there's so much hard work every day. And then this sport is very lone, very lonely at times, you know, we're out there training. Um, training is a interesting thing in cycling because you're by yourself and you have some data on your, on your, you know, head unit computer, which sits right on your handlebars and you, you can track how hard you're going, your heart rate and everything. And that links back to a coach mine's in South Africa who analyzes it later and stuff. So you don't get the team sport atmosphere of a coach yelling at you and, um, teammates cheering you on and doing it with you. It's really you out there sometimes for, you know, five hours on the road by yourself. So, um, you know, I've, I've gotten to a point where it's so familiar and I'm so comfortable with kind of hard work being a habit. Um, but I don't want to shortchange like, yeah, the hard work, but in a lot of ways, I, I don't want to talk about kind of the hard knock way of doing it because like I said, I think that, that the love and kind of the sensitivity is what is uh, equally as important as gritting through it. Um, but yeah, I, you know, from age five till now, I'm 25, about to be 26. And uh, I've had a lot of setbacks. I've had a lot of injuries. I've had a lot of hard years and a lot of great ones. Um, as you can probably imagine, yeah, I mean, tons of crashes here and there. And <laughs> the yeah. resiliency to get over an injury is very different than just working through a hard day. Um, you kind of have to flip the approach on its head. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's a great topic and <laughs> there's so much I could ramble about. Um, but I think the core of what I believe in and what I've learned is love and sensitivity. It has to be paired with hard work. Um, otherwise, you know, you're kind of just hitting yourself over the head with a hammer. Something that I really liked that you said was you're out there on your bike for five plus hours a day by yourself. There's no teammates there. It's you. And that's interesting because it's, you are your own accountability. Like as team sports, it's easy to get hyped up, hype each other up. Let's freaking do this. Let's get it done. But with individual sports, such as mountain biking, it's you. Like you are showing yourself the respect and showing yourself that you can do it. And that can't be a skill that came easy because I also feel like we are so detrimental to ourselves sometimes. And so I feel like it go either way. If we have a great mindset, then an individual sport is great because no one's holding you back, but you have to build th that mindset. Was that something that you had to really work hard at? Yeah, no, for sure. And, you know, I've had so much, so much, so much of, uh, my success comes from a support system, you know, first and foremost, my parents, my dad has been my right-hand man <laughs> in the sport my whole life. And when I was six, obviously I'm just a little kid and I, you know, need someone to, to push me. And I had a natural kind of pull towards racing my bike, but I had coaches who would, you know, <laughs> kind of do the classic, make me sprint until I threw up on this was when I was like eight years old and did like a hundred pushups a day when I'm nine and all that, and, you know, it's kind of funny to think about, but I think now 
the margins of success are so small in this sport. Like the difference between first and 40th um, is just a tiny half a percent. Um, Cause when I race the, the, in Europe, I'm racing the best, the best in the world. And um, it's different than team sports where I guess like there's no hiding. And um, if a bad day is what's happening, there's no, you know, there's no escaping from it. So the, since the margins are so small, the accountability becomes so important and listening to your body becomes so important. So like, there's a lot of times where I've pushed too hard. Like I've, uh, I've done too much and I didn't recover enough and, and recovery is just as important as, uh, as training. And I think that applies to life. It definitely applies to life as well. Right. We work, we can work so hard, but if we don't sleep, if we don't really reflect and take time to let whatever, you know, it, to put it in training analogies, the, the stress you do when you do a training workout, if you don't allow that to kind of take root, then, um, you're just going to burn the wick at both ends. And I think that definitely applies to, to any, any pursuit. Um, but yeah, you know, the, so what it's, what it's taught me just to, to kind of drill down on the the lonely five hour rides is how to know myself at a fine level, you know, and how to like be always in the dance between like finding the right point between too much or not enough, you know, hitting the sweet spot every time, um, and motivating myself when I need to push and then pulling myself back when I need to, you know, recover. Um, so I'm really thankful for how introspective riding my bike is. And when I'm out there for five hours and some days I listen to music or podcasts, some days I just listen to nothing for five hours. And it's a very meditative experience. Um, and yeah, I'm really thankful for just the fact that I can go ride a hundred miles and see places that I otherwise wouldn't. That's really cool that you're able to use that time as kind of a meditation in a way. Um, because I, I feel the same way when I'm jogging, I actually prefer not to listen to anything because it's weird. I don't know if it's like physiologically, like the blood flow to your brain, but you think so much more clear when you're like exercising, do you like feel that also? For sure. Yeah. <laughs> so many of my like best and ideas come on the bike and, uh, yeah. Um, I think it's just when you like have this balance between nothing going on, but you're just riding your bike, but everything's going on. Cause you're, you're just riding your bike, you know? So, um, for sure. And tons of good conversations with friends and, uh, yeah. A lot of, lot of interesting thoughts. <laughs> so with these hours of like long training, obviously you had a goal to get to the Olympics and you made it and you didn't just make it. You did really, really well. You took 14th, which is amazing. But that goal probably didn't come overnight. Was yeah. At what point were you like, this is happening and it's going to get done. Like, was there ever a time when you just flipped the switch and you're like, I'm awesome and we're going to do this and yeah. we're going to make it and we're going to do awesome when we do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I went to college at Cal Poly in San Luis Obispo and, um, you know, the Olympics was always something I had dreamed about, obviously. And I've come, I'm from Durango, Colorado, where it's kind of crazy. Like every one of the last 
five or something Olympics, there's been a male from Durango who's gone for mountain biking. So like it's a town of 20,000 people and it's like the hotbed for mountain biking. Um, so like my neighbor was an Olympian. <laughs> so I knew I could do it from a young age, but it wasn't until probably two years into college, I was racing multiple disciplines. I was racing on the road as well as the mountain bike and decided to just focus on the mountain bike for two years. Um, I lived with uh, our mutual friend, Anders Johnson, who, uh, you know, we, we had a different college experience because we were both training and racing um, full time. And I would take the spring quarter off to, to travel and race from like March until September every year. But yeah, halfway through college, um, I really decided to kind of have a singular focus. Um, and obviously COVID pushed everything back a year. So that was a really interesting experience of, uh, for me, it was good because I was young and I could have one more year to train, but I spent all of COVID, you know, <laughs> just doing what I normally do, which is riding my bike and hanging out with Anders essentially. So, <laughs> um, I was really focused because that's kind of, uh, yeah, how my life was school was, um, a great kind of other thing going on to remind me that there's more than biking and. I intentionally chose a school that had other stuff going on. But when it came down to the Olympics prep, um, I really allowed myself to have like a singular focus on it. Um, and yeah. And then 2021, um, I made it. What was the hardest part about preparing? Like, was there ever a time that a, you did, you felt like it was just falling through your fingers and you, it wasn't you weren't going to make it or B, did you ever feel like you had imposter syndrome too? Mm. Like, were there ever those hindering factors that you really just had to ponder and work through and do the work mentally? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a great question. I mean, the experience of a bad race, like, you know, for people who um, haven't done an individual sport, like it's hard to maybe describe, but like you're giving just as much or more than when you're winning but everything's going bad and you're kind of clawing away trying to get there. So every, you know, one of those really bad races you have, they, they are massive challenges to really accept and realize that this is where you were today, but it doesn't define, you know, what your next step is. And I think I've learned that I can't, you know, can't control the outcome, but uh, when bad races happen, and, you know, I get all of those feelings of like, man, I'm, <laughs> I'm not there. Um, how do I beat those Europeans, all of that. And, um, yeah, it's, it's a really, you know, vivid <laughs> emotion when you're in that place. But I think I've learned that all you can do is all you can do. And you just got to focus on the next step one at a time. So it kind of brings you back into being present, um, but yeah, in the lead up, you know, I can't think of like one particular instance, um, one challenge I had to overcome, but it's really that daily process where there's plenty of good days and plenty of really bad ones, not getting too high or too low, um, I think is the best approach. I find it really, really interesting that you discussed being present because previous athletes that I've had on my podcast talk about that. They talk about the value of being present and not only in their sport, but other aspects of their life of you can do what you can do. You've done the preparation, trust your body. 
and the outcome is the outcome. But the best thing you can do is like be present, which is probably really, really hard when you have a goal like the Olympics, because you're constantly thinking about that goal in the future. And then it probably distracts you of like planting your feet where you are. Are there any tactics that you've used to like bring you back to Zen, bring you back to the present moment and having to consistently remind yourself of that? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's the, <laughs> that's kind of the core reason we do sport in a lot of ways is like, it's such a great, you know, flow state inducing <laughs> activity, whatever it is. But um, for those few moments when we're racing or, you know, playing soccer or whatever it may be, like sometimes it's the only thing that matters. And uh, um, that's what I'm really most like personally thankful for with what I do. But um, yeah, for the past five years, I've been uh, consistently meditating and, and really kind of using mindfulness as a North star for how I approach the sport because meditating on a cushion, I could talk a lot about how it's been such a useful tool for me, but the second you get up from that and have to go wash dishes or get ready to ride or, you know, talk to my parents or whatever it may be, like those are the moments where, yeah, presence is, is, is always the thing that brings you into more connection with the world. And, uh, on the bike, I mean, it's essential because you can't think about um, what you did wrong 10 minutes ago or 10 seconds ago or where you're going to be, you know, at the end of the race. And it's such a seemingly difficult thing you kind of hinted at. Like, it's sort of a paradox when you when you strive for a goal, but yet you're always trying to live in a way where the journey is the goal. And, you know, you're always where you are, nowhere else. So dealing and living through that kind of, uh, you know, again, seemingly contradictory thing of going for something that's out there in the future, but realizing that the only way you'll achieve that at some point is by being present wherever you are. Um, that's the, the key kind of uh, <laughs> defining thing in my life right now, I'd say. So it's a really interesting thing. Yeah. Um, and I hope that sort of makes sense, but yeah. Yeah. Um, any pursuit should be, and I, I really believe all of us are doing difficult things because they teach us how to be more present. Sometimes we, uh, we blow through and, and forget that that's kind of the, the key in every, every moment and every endeavor. I think that not being present is a very large reason for a lot of mental illness because yeah. of the worry and how much stress we put on ourselves to start saving for our Roth IRA, start saving for our 401k. Like there's so many things thrown at us that like completely tear us from the present. And that is a skill that I'm working on. And I feel like if you can master that skill of being present and just taking seriously one step at a time and focusing on each step, like the sky is the limit. Like you could pretty much do anything because you're not focused on what other people are thinking. You're not focused on, oh, what if you're focused on, I'm just going to do this one step ahead. Yeah. And I think it's so interesting that we set goals sometimes because like you said, it literally pulls us from being present and it can be overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Like 
setting too high of a goal can be debilitating, but then if you don't set goals, then you're not pushing yourself. So I guess, like you said, it's just that dichotomy of finding that balance of having our eyes up at the goal, but making sure we're fully aware of where our feet are. hundred percent. Yeah. And, you know, like one thing I have thought about a lot about is where does planning for the future happen? Like it always is happening now when you're doing it, you know, like if I leave this, this, uh, this podcast and I start planning my race calendar and where I think I'm going to be in March and where I'm going to be in June before the Olympics, like all of that is kind of constructing a future that doesn't exist, but I think it's possible to plan for our futures like in the present moment. And again, that that kind of paradox, I think, is one that we can work through and realize that you can't be anywhere else but where you are. And that's a good thing. Um, <laughs> and yeah, no, but the the catch is really uh, easy to fall into. Um, with something that's so goal oriented, like racing your bike or yeah, I mean, a normal desk job is very goal oriented as well. So, um, I definitely think that goals are a great thing. And like you said, we need, we should have something to, to some outcome on the horizon that we're, that we're shooting for. But I love this quote. Um, I read this book, lion guide, lion trackers guide to life. Um, it's just, really cool it kind of teaches you about south african lion trackers but um he says i don't know where i'm going but i know exactly how to get there um which is great like you don't know where you're going you know you really don't know where you'll do tonight you can think you know but the way you get there is just now 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 happening a bunch of times um and yeah you know I, that's really the approach i've tried to live by and it's definitely a lot easier said than done. And there's tons of moments where, you know, I have a bad training ride and start spinning into the past future cycle again. Um, but having a little bit of curiosity the whole time, I think is a, is a good approach when that, when those things happen. It's almost like you have to like plan it strategically so that you know the steps that have to be taken. So there's, there's not the unknown there. So you know the baby steps that need to be taken. That quote also reminded me of like the Forrest Gump movie of he, like how many things he accomplished. He did such amazing things, but he had no idea what he was where he was going. Like he just kind of like found where he was meant to fit in and he fit in there and he, he didn't show resistance to life. Like mm. like God and the universe gives us these opportunities that we shut down because society tells us we're supposed to look a certain way. We're supposed to be a certain way. And then it gives us that curiosity kind of goes away. Like those yeah, opportunities yeah. are just stripped from us that like truly we are manifesting, but we don't open that door because we feel like we're supposed to live a certain way. And that's just like kind of heartbreaking to think about. Yeah, for sure. Man, you should get Forrest Gump on the podcast. He's uh, oh <laughs> talk gosh. about, yeah. I wish. <laughs> no, Man. but yeah, talk about a lust for life. Like, and I love the scene. I was just made me think of when he, is running and just decides, yeah, you know, I think I'll go home now. Yeah. Which, to know that and to not be like, oh yeah, everybody's watching me and I'm supposed to be doing this run and I have all these people behind me, but like to be so um, connected to yourself where, and you know, you're just aware like, oh yeah, you know, it's time to go home. 
um yeah Boris speaking Gunther. of that it yeah. reminds me um jake and i my husband jake are training for an ultra marathon and i personally have not had like a great relationship with food like i've always kind of been aware of what I've been eating. Mm -hmm. Um, so I wasn't listening to my body in any way. And this ultra marathoning is so long and so strenuous that you have to eat while you're running. I'm sure you feel like this yeah. on biking too, yeah. but you have to be so in tune with your body. Like, and I feel like I lost that. I was never in tune with my body until I was forced to go like Forrest Gump. <laughs> I feel like I'm running for days on end. And then I'm forced to eat while I'm running because I like need the calories, but it has forced me to know my body, know when mm -hmm. I need to walk, know when I need to eat, know when my body's tired. And I'm sure you felt the same way with your body. You just are connected with your body in a different way that I seriously didn't think was possible. Like I can tell when I'm like what I, what food I need and when, and I'm sure you felt yeah. this too. Yeah. It's like a different connection with your body, like mentally, spiritually, and physically. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And I think like before we had all of these data tracking apps and nutrition apps and everything, like, I don't know, some of the, some of the best athletes, the people that I look up to the most are like the simplest. They just, um, I've had a teammate who never thought about, never used numbers, never did anything like this. And like, how is he so good? And it's just because he lived in the mountains of Italy and just, you know, followed his instincts and developed that, like, listening curiosity relationship with everything you did you, you came across and uh yeah and and that's again what sport is such a gift for us is to to teach us that um and yeah it's crazy how much you need to eat like especially <laughs> yeah how, how many carbs you need to eat like i had a hard workout today and i had i performed my hard workouts i have 170 grams of carbs which is like my gosh. a massive stack of pancakes yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> It sounds like you have done a lot of work, obviously, physically to get where you are. You're going to do amazing in Paris, but um, you've done so much work physically, mentally, emotionally. You're so in tune with yourself. You even hinted that you've applied this to other aspects of your life and found peace and success with that. Is there a message specifically that you'd kind of want to send off with our audience tonight yeah well you know um typically when i when i get asked that it's like what would i give advice to young young kids racing their bike and i think the same advice i'd give to them is yeah applies to anyone is like you have to sort of what i started with you have to to love what you do. And it's so simple. And sometimes we don't need to hear that. It's like, oh yeah, okay, fine. Like, give me the real thing. That's like <laughs> valuable. Um, but you can't just have rosy, happy moments all the time. Um, and that's why we should do hard things. But if you, if you love yourself and you love the process, then I think you come into a, a deeper relationship with whatever it is. Um, and it's not about the bike, you know, the bike has just kind of been my vessel for, 20 years of, um, knowing myself and knowing my world at a deeper level. And, uh, it's a very personal pursuit a lot of times, but I think it like helps me understand universal emotions. And, uh, I'm so lucky to have the chance to travel the world and meet all these people and share it because, um, 
the bike is yeah this this fringe sport that you know not many people do thinking of racing your mountain bike but um i just love the 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 fact that i get to connect with people and share this uh pursuit that you know brings out so many emotions um and that's that's that can be all of us i think with finding those little things and it can be in the most monotonous job where you find that um so yeah, you know, and um, go ride your bike. It's a, it's a, <laughs> it's fun out. Get there. outside, yeah. <laughs> enjoy the nature. For sure, for sure. Thank you so much for that message, Chris. That was wonderful and well spoken. And we're all really proud of you and cheering you on. And know that we'll be watching you on Paris this year, and we're excited. Um, thank you again for being here and for sticking it out so that um you can have that spotlight you do and use it for good. Like you have been, you've done so many great things and inspired so many. So we're proud of you and keep up the great work. And we're so honored to have you here tonight and listeners. I hope you enjoyed today's episode as much as I did. It was a true honor to hear the words from Chris and just know like every aspect of sports are, is also applied to every other aspect of life. And Living in the present is truly key. It's way easier said than done, but there's there's ways to practice and nothing comes perfect without practice. So this week, let's take a few deep breaths. Let's feel our feet on the ground. Let's stay grounded. Take the blessings in that you're currently having. Set those goals, but remember to be present. Thank you all for joining in this week and we look forward to see you back next week. Thank you guys. Good to be here. Thanks, Tennessee.